In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our text for this morning is uh, found on the uh, monitor, and I invite you to join with me in reading. As God's person, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. This will be our text for this morning. People of God, people whose faith is rooted, grounded, uh, and established in Christ Jesus. If you're a football fan uh, and uh, you're looking for a good movie to watch with your family, I would uh, suggest the movie Woodlawn. Uh, The movie Woodlawn is based upon uh, a a true story that took place in Birmingham, Alabama in the uh, 1970s. In the early 1970s, Martin Luther King described Birmingham, Alabama as the most segregated city in all of the United States. And during that particular time then, the process of desegregation was starting to uh, take place. Uh, Students were being bussed all over Birmingham, Alabama in order to uh, desegregate the schools. And Woodlawn uh, was one of the high schools in Birmingham and a number of uh, black students were being bused there. The racially divided school was like a powder keg, just waiting for a spark to uh, blow everything apart. whole situation took a 180-degree turn within a matter of months because of the football team. The football team took a 180-degree turn because of a call to faith in Christ Jesus, which almost all of them accepted. And through that call to faith in Christ Jesus, they turned the entire school around and made a powerful impact upon the city of Birmingham. I encourage you to pick it up, take a look at it, ask God to work in you as powerfully as he worked in them. Now, my intention is not to give an advertisement for this movie. I mention it because of one line in the movie that I found most interesting. The star running back on this particular team had great speed and excellent moves, but he almost always ran along the sidelines so that right before, yards before he was going to get hit, he could jump out of the sidelines and avoid getting hit. After doing this a number of times, the coach pulled him aside and said, did we forget to tell you that football is a contact sport? Did somebody forget to tell you that this is a contact sport? Get out there, get ready to get hit, and whenever possible, Hit them first. Josh, is football a contact sport? If you wear the uniform and you get out on the field, what do you expect? Contact. You expect to get hit. Putting on a military uniform means you're involved in a contact occupation. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be risk. 
if you put the uniform on, you better get ready for contact and for sacrifice. St. <clears throat> Paul is reminding Timothy <clears throat> that being a Christian is a contact sport. Not really a sport. It's a contact way of life. Being a Christian involves many joys, but also risks and dangers. But unfortunately, quite often it is tempting to think that being a Christian is like comfortably sitting on the sidelines. And we think that as Christians, once we become a Christian, you know, and we're living the Christian life, everything is supposed to be easy and without difficulty, like running down the sidelines out of bounds, going down toward the goal not expecting to get hit. Well, St. Paul knew from personal experience that was not realistic. We live in a sin-filled world. And as the Holy Spirit encourages us and leads us to follow Christ Jesus, while living in this world, we're going to encounter many different hits. And so in our text for today, in many ways, St. Paul was coaching Timothy, get out here on the field with me and with all these others. Expect to get hit. Fight the good fight. Faith in Christ is a contact life. Fight the good fight. How is that done? Well, as we read through this particular section of uh, St. Paul's letter and also some of his other letters, as we thank God for our veterans who have served in the military, we can find several different guidelines. First of all, be sure that you're fighting the enemy. Secondly, know when to go into full retreat so that you're heading in the right direction. And third, don't ever allow anyone or anything to take the victory away from you. First, be sure that you're fighting the enemy. <clears throat> Seems logical, a no-brainer. Unfortunately, the enemy is not always easily recognized. The enemy doesn't always wear a uniform that has enemy stats across it. And unfortunately, we can wind up attacking those who are not the enemy. It's easy what, to imagine what was going to happen if players on the offensive line all of a sudden begin tackling their own running backs. Not a whole lot is going to be gained. There's already enough opposition on the field without having to add more. Unfortunately, very often Christians have treated one another as enemies instead of working together. It's easy to attack others and fellow Christians with accusations and rumors. And when things like that happen, it's not difficult to imagine what the outcome and the results are going to be. St. Paul then reminds us, make sure you're fighting the enemy. Martin Luther often summarized uh, the scriptures when he spoke of the enemies that are constantly out to destroy us. What's out to destroy us? Satan. Satan. What else is out to destroy us? Actually, the society in which we live with its misguided assumptions and goals. That's out to destroy us. Another enemy is a power of sin within us that is constantly turning us away from Christ and leading us in the wrong direction. And the power of death. Those are the enemies. Those are the enemies that truly seek to destroy us.
there was a couple that were going through a very difficult time. <coughs> Shortly after their marriage, they experienced an unusual illness. There was job loss. There were other factors that were tearing the couple apart. They went to their pastor to talk with him, and after listening to them blame each other for various problems, the pastor finally interrupted them and said, you know, I can see that you're really fighting hard, but I want to tell you, you're fighting the wrong enemy. Four years ago, we sat in this very office, and I was impressed as we got ready for your marriage ceremony and your marriage. I was impressed with your love for each other. And I was so impressed and proud of the vows that you wrote for each other, that you spoke to each other in the wedding ceremony. But now you're allowing all these things that you're encountering to turn you into enemies. You're treating each other as the enemy. Your wife is not the enemy. Your husband is not the enemy. The illness is. The job situation is. The financial losses that you're incurring. All of these other things, they're the enemies, not each other. You're fighting the wrong enemy. Fighting the wrong enemy is something that we can easily do. It happens not only in families, in churches, in nations. We've seen it throughout this whole election process and even after the weeks, last week's elections. Fighting each other instead of fighting the real enemies. You know, it's hard enough getting hit with all the things that life throws at us the way that it is. But treating one another as the enemy only brings additional devastation and destruction. Faith in Christ is a contact life. Be sure that we're fighting the enemy. The second thing that St. Paul encourages Timothy to do, know when to retreat and what to pursue. Now, retreating and falling back or running away doesn't sound like a choice that uh, we are expected to make. But St. Paul encourages Timothy to do that. Flee from such things. And in military terms, fleeing from such things means go in full retreat. In the paragraphs immediately before our text, St. Paul warns Timothys about the dangers of chasing after money. He warns them about the dangers of uh, making light, uh, accumulation of wealth as one of the main goals in life. And instead of seeking first the kingdom of God, many seek all of these things and all of these pleasures of the world above everything else. And St. Paul tells Timothy the result is devastating, not only for their lives here on earth, but for their eternities. It's a mind trap. It's a minefield. It's a field that's filled with traps. And so St. Paul says, run away. Run away from it. Go in full retreat. There's so much thinking and perspectives in our world today that are minefields. Now we would think, if anybody see this particular sign, they would be a little bit nuts, maybe a lot nuts, to charge full strength into that minefield. Who in their right mind would do that? St. Paul is telling Timothy, and he's also the Holy Spirit telling us, 
be careful before we charge into the minefields. The minefields, especially of our, the thinking of our society and our society's perspective. Let me give you an example, several examples of minefields that are found in our society's thinking. Minefield number one, life has no value. There's no meaning to life. When we have that particular perspective, that leads us into all kinds of terrible choices and decisions that only lead to death and destruction. Another minefield that is so much found in the perspective in our society today, I'm the authority for my life. This is my life. I can do with my life what I want to do with it. Nobody else can tell me how I'm supposed to live my life. And I can decide for myself what's good for me. And that's how I'm going to live. Minefield. It's a minefield that leads only to destruction. One more example. If God exists, he really doesn't care about us. If God exists, he really doesn't take any kind of interest in us. We're pretty well on our own. Now, those are very often common perspectives, thinkings, and feelings that people have in our society. But they're minefields. They only lead to hopelessness, despair, grief, death. No wonder St. Paul tells Timothy, go in full retreat away from those things. Get as far away from them as you possibly can. Be in full retreat, not because of cowardice, but because of wisdom. Seeing the minefields for what they are, the traps for what they are. Now, night vision goggles are very important when surrounded with darkness. They allow the person to see what's really out there and not be fooled and led astray by the darkness. <clears throat> now, that's part of what God does for us in his word. In his scriptures, in his promises, he gives us a necessary sight and vision when we're surrounded by darkness. God in his word continually points us to Christ Jesus. He points us to the love that God truly has for us. He directs us to the, and makes attention, our attention to focus upon his willingness to give his life for us. His forgiveness for us even in spite of the fact that we don't deserve it. His assurance that he has conquered death for us and gives eternity for us. His promise to continue to be with us and provide his strength and joys along life's way. His promises are the things that give real vision and strength when we're surrounded by darkness. Don't accept the so-called wisdom of this world. Instead, carefully measure it. Compare it to the promises of God that are ours in Christ Jesus. Put on the night vision goggles when we're surrounded by darkness. The words of the Apostles' Creed often provide a good rule of thumb to avoid the ways of living that only lead into minefields. And so retreat from such things, flee from such things. And then St. Paul writes, while we're running, make sure we're running in the right direction. Pursue that which adds to life. If we're going to chase after something, then set goals for ourselves and reach for righteousness, godliness, faith, 
love, endurance, gentleness. The word gentleness means the peace that gives us stability in the middle of the storm. Calmness. What a great list this is. If we're going to be chasing after something in this life, these are the goals that are really worth pursuing. Unfortunately, many people today are not interested in pursuing those things. Imagine having a co-worker in one of your office areas who's not a Christian. And a co-worker comes to you and says, you know, I have a very important choice that I need to make, and I'd really like to add, ask your advice on it. And the co-worker then uh, lays out the choices there. And so then uh, after they, they ask you for your advice, and so you say something like this, well, well, which of these choices reaches out for what God considers right? Which of these choices reach out for godliness and faith and uh, something that's going to increase your love for others, uh, something that's going to give you more endurance or gentleness and calmness? That's the best choice to make. And what would your non-Christian friend respond? Are you nuts? Are you nuts? That's not what I'm after. I want to make a choice that increases my income. I want to make a choice that helps me move up on the uh, career ladder. I want to make a choice that makes life easier for me. Those are the things that I'm interested in. Not chasing after godliness or faith our love. You see, Christianity is a contact life. And one of the reasons for this is it goes against the flow of so many house people are really living. I don't know if you can see it. Can you see this guy on the left? You know, going against the flow. People are reaching out, going in the wrong direction. And they're in great pursuit. As followers of Christ Jesus, we're called to follow Him. And very often, that call goes against the traffic. And when we go against the traffic, the odds are that we're going to get hit. St. Paul says, fight the good fight. Fight the good fight. Be sure that you're fighting the correct enemy, the real enemy. Flee from the minefields. Pursue the goals that God provides for us. And then God, the Holy Spirit, through St. Paul, tells us, lay hold of the eternal life to which God has called us. Now, the word for lay hold here means to get a good grip on something. Hold on to something so tightly uh, that it, you don't lose it or that uh, you drop it or fumble it or have it stripped away from you. Another way of saying this is don't let anyone... Take the victory away from you. I want to let you in on a secret that most of society doesn't know. Here's a secret. The victory is ours already. Most people in the world don't realize that. The victory is already ours. It's already ours. Eternal life is a gift that God has already given us. And He promises to give us in all of its fullness in eternity. It's ours. Don't let anyone or anything take that victory away from you. I've just about given up on God. 
a young man was talking with a good friend about some severe difficulties that had hit him. The situations were so hard, they knocked him off balance. He was ready to let go of his faith and confidence in God. His Christian friend replied, You're definitely getting hit hard and very hard, and I can see why you feel this way. But if you throw away your faith in Christ, what are you going to hang on to? What are you going to have that you can hold on to to replace it? Are you going to replace it with your own strength? With confidence in your own abilities? Are you going to replace it with a hope that's nothing more than wishful thinking? Are you going to hold on to shallow promises that others may offer that will never come true? Yes, there are times when we feel like giving up. But God has not, forgiven up on, has not given up on us. Christ has demonstrated his love for you, the young man continued. He died for you. He also is the only one who can assure you a final victory over this life. He shows by his resurrection he is the victor. And as hard as you're being hit, don't let anyone or anything take Christ's victory and his promise of victory away from you. Don't let anyone or anything take his victory away from you. People of God, people to whom Christ has given the victory. Christianity is much more than a contact sport. It's a contact life. And as we live the life that God has called us to live, may the Holy Spirit give us the wisdom that we fight the correct enemy. May God the Holy Spirit give us the wisdom to retreat from the minefields and the traps that are set before us. May God the Holy Spirit give us the wisdom to pursue the goals that God sets before us and especially to get a good grip on God's promises of life for today, tomorrow, and all eternity. Please join with me in reading a slight revision of the text. As God's person, flee from all the minefields and traps Continue to reach for righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Keep holding on to the eternal life which God has given you and promises you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We join together, as St. Paul says to Timothy, in making the good confession of faith in the presence of many witnesses, we rise, we join in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I, I believe in God, God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended... The third day he rose again from the dead and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen.